Good morning, church. God is good. Isn't God just wonderful? I um, I love thinking about, and I know you do as well, all of the wonderful things that God has brought to you today. In your life this week, all the blessings He's uh, brought into your life, we just, we're just so thankful to God for all that He's done and for all that He does and for all that He will continue to do. Let's go to our God in prayer. O righteous Heavenly Father, hallowed be Your great and amazing name. We give unto You all the praise, the honor, and the glory, and we're so thankful, Lord God, to You. We're so thankful to You for, for Your goodness, for Your kindness, and for Your compassion, and for Your mercy, and for Your care, and for Your love. And sometimes, Lord God, in our prayers, as we ask You to be merciful upon us, we know that you are a merciful God. Thank you for allowing us to know you and for allowing us to worship you and for sending Jesus to die that we might live for that amazing sacrifice that was made in our behalf. We, we thank you. Please bless us this morning as we worship you to rid our minds of all worldly thoughts, to focus only on you and your word, your will and your way and to honor your name in all that we say and do. These things we thank you for and pray in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be thy will. Amen. It's good to have you both members and visitors alike. We're looking at Jesus in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah is a very messianic book, and so it's going to take us a few lessons to run through Zechariah. I want to go, just if you will, in Zechariah this morning, picking up from our study in Haggai just uh, not long ago. So God used Zechariah to announce his message, and the message was loud and clear. Beginning in verse 1 of Zechariah chapter 1, in the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah the prophet, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edu, saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, declares the Lord of hosts, that I may return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets proclaimed, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return now from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not listen or give heed to me, declares the Lord. Zechariah's message is a call. It's a call to repentance. He told us that Jesus was coming, and Jesus came, and he blessed the world. Behold your king. He came, humble. And mounted on a donkey. The shepherd was struck. And the sheep. They scattered. They weighed out the price of God. They valued God's worth. 30 pieces of silver. And then they looked on him. In whom they pierced. The message. The message called Israel. 
to repent. And it calls us to repent as we look back at the prophecy. Verse 2. The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Verse 4. Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets proclaimed, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return now from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not listen or give heed to me, declares the Lord. Don't be like your fathers, the disobedient and the rebellious. Verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou have no compassion for Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, with which thou hast been indignant these seventy years? And the Lord answered the angel who was speaking with me with gracious words, comforting words. So the angel who was speaking with me said to me, Proclaim, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and Zion, but I am very angry with the nations who are at ease. For while I was only a little angry, they furthered the disaster. Pretty serious, huh? I mean, for God to say, I'm not only angry, but I'm very angry. He was very angry at this, this disobedient people because they refused to do what God has set up for them, established for them, even through Cyrus, if you will. So Jeremiah, you'll be in captivity for 70 years. God was gracious to them during that 70 years. And then Cyrus releases the Jews, and they're supposed to go back and use the monies that Cyrus gave to them that came from God to build the temple. And over that time period, they began to do something that you would think, no, they didn't really do that. They took God's money and started building their own houses. <laughs> you say, well, who would do that? I wonder how many of us are taking God's money and using it on ourselves. The message is clear. And this book of, of Zechariah is, is alluded to or, or quoted from over, over 60 times in the New Testament. We'll look at some of those, Lord willing, next week. It's rich with messianic prophecies. Haggai and, and Zechariah are God's contemporary prophets encouraging the Jews to rebuild the temple. Remember, it has a greater message, right? It has a greater message in the future. Haggai's message moved uh, the Jews, if you will, and moves us and moves the early Christians from the physical to the spiritual. And what Zechariah does, he, he keeps us on that same level. Zechariah takes the same message and takes the readers, spiritual restoration and understanding of it to the coming of the Messiah. He stays, if you will, in the spiritual so Haggai brings us from the physical to the spiritual. Zechariah, though it's some physical, keeps us in the spiritual. It reminds them of what the message of God truly is. I want to go to Isaiah just for just a moment. Chapter 11. To show you some of the continuity of the Messianic. Isaiah chapter 11. And I want to begin uh, here in, in just a moment. 
the righteous branch is coming. The righteous branch is coming. And Zechariah, I'm going to Isaiah here in just a moment. Zechariah has something to say about that righteous branch. Isaiah chapter 11 has something to say about that righteous branch. The branch is coming. Jesus. The solution, if you, if you haven't caught on yet, under the Old Testament, the solution to all the problems was Jesus. The solution to all the world's problems is Jesus. The solution to our problems is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. See, when we figure this out, when we learn this, and when we surrender to this, it just kind of simplifies life. It's all about Jesus. That righteous branch. Verse verse 8 of Zechariah chapter 3. Now listen, Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who are sitting in front of you, indeed, they are men who are a symbol. For behold, I am going to bring in my servant the branch. For behold, the stone that I have set before Joshua on one stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave an inscription on it, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and under his fig tree. The branch. I'm going to give you, turn to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to bring to you the solution to all of your problems. The righteous branch is coming. And isn't it beautiful for us? that we could say the righteous branch came. And then we can take it a step further. The righteous branch is in our lives. And he's alive. And he's God. In Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1, Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, And with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Also righteousness will be the belt about his loins. And faithfulness, the belt about his waist. The faithful Christ is coming. Back to Zechariah, please. The faithful God with us, Emmanuel, is coming. Jehovah is coming and he is the solution to all of your problems how many of us believe that you know the preacher can preach it all day long but how many of us believe that and and Haggai 
Haggai says, you know, you're going to build this temple for God. You do what, do what God said. Cyrus has already released the people. They've been there for many, many years and have not done the will of God. And Haggai comes by and he encourages them to turn their lives back to the Lord. And Zechariah comes in and he brings this spiritual proclamation, this message from God that you've got to get back to doing what the Lord says. Build his temple because it has a greater in-depth meaning. It's about the Christ. Who's coming? Zechariah 6 and verse 12. Then say to him, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, a man whose name is Branch, for he will branch out from where he is, and he will build the temple of the Lord. Notice who will build the temple? The branch. Jesus. Remember last week we looked at John when Jesus said, Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And they said, oh, wait, it took us 46 years to build this temple. But the branch says, I'll do it by myself. So he says, he's going to build the temple where he is, and he will build the temple of the Lord. Yes, it is he who will build the temple of the Lord, and he who will bear the honor and sit and rule on his throne. Thus, he will be a priest on his throne and the council of peace will be between the two offices. The Old Testament prophecies are all about the coming of the Messiah. And then this greater prophecy about the Messiah coming to build the temple is speaking directly and specifically about, spiritually speaking, in the New Testament, the church. That Jesus is going to build his church. And he will reign over his kingdom as king and high priest. Look at chapter 8. Jesus came down and lived as a man. The branch grew up and later gave his life. With Jesus, it's all about salvation through his blood. It's all about salvation. It's about this, this temple, this church. It is about the church of Christ. You ought to feel good about these passages. You cannot erase the prophecies. The prophecies came true. And here we are witnesses, for we are a part of the fulfillment of the prophecies of God. Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 20. Thus says the Lord of hosts, it will yet be the peoples will come, even the inhabitants of many cities. Notice it says peoples, right? That's all nations, right? That's, that's not talking about the Jews, but everybody. And the inhabitants of one will go to another saying, let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will also go. So many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Jerusalem, the Jews, Jerusalem. Isaiah, please. Chapter 2. Why is everyone 
all the nations, why are the peoples going to Jerusalem? Because the branch is about to build something. Verse 2. Now it will come about that in the last days, the mountains of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Why are they all going to Jerusalem? You see, it's really important. We're going to Micah now, chapter 4, to get the repeat of this prophecy. Why is it so important that we understand that the church of Christ began in Jerusalem? Because that's what Jesus says. That's what the prophecy says. It just gives us a greater understanding and appreciation of what God truly has done. In Micah 4, beginning at verse 1, And it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains, and it will be raised above the hills, and the peoples will stream to it. And many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us about his ways, and that he may walk, that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And what did Daniel in his prophecy, go back to Daniel please, uh, chapter 2. What did he say in his prophecy? He spoke of those great kingdoms, the Babylonian empire in his, through this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. And then from Babylon to, to well the Syrians were there for first there, but the Babylonians, the Medes, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. And then he says in verse 44, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put to an end all of these kingdoms. But it will itself endure forever. You got to get that. The prophecy. The prophecy in the word of God cannot be changed. And Daniel says that this kingdom, that the branch that we know Zechariah says, and Isaiah talks about the Messiah, Jesus, the Lord, Jehovah. He'll set up this kingdom, and the kingdom that's spoken of throughout the whole Old Testament, and this new rebuilt temple in the Old Testament refers to the church. you you got to get that. That's where we strengthen our faith and our resolve. Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 16, as he's speaking to the disciples asking, who do the people say that I, the Son of Man, am? And in verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father, who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. It. Daniel said it itself. Jesus said my church. 
Not every church on every corner, church. Listen. What does the Bible say? What does it say about us? 2 Corinthians, please, chapter chapter 6. Because we are that church, because we are that, that, that established kingdom of God, there are some regulations, there are some rules. And I know people say, well, we don't like rules, but you have to follow the rules. Because they come from God. And there are some things that God says that we have to do as his kingdom, as this temple, this body of believers, as his spiritual, sanctified, set-apart people. There are some things that we must do. And listen to what Jesus says. In verse 14, by way of inspiration through Paul, do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with the dark with darkness? When the church begins to look like darkness, when we bring everything in the world into the church, we are no longer the church. Listen, we have to be set apart, separate, and different from the world. What harmony has Christ of Bilal? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, right? That's what the Bible says. The prophecy, he spoke of it. Jesus established it and built it. And now God says that's who we are. You are a temple. We are a walking, talking church building. We belong to Jesus. Let people see Jesus in us. Let them see the excitement that we have because of the greatness of our God, because the prophecy has been fulfilled. I will dwell among them. I will dwell in them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. That's what God says. And you know, it was a challenge. In John chapter 4, there was this challenge of, of Jesus. He's going to this woman. He sees this woman at the well, and, and, and what, a, what, a, what an amazing woman as far as her, her relationship when she understands Jesus. And she's trying to follow Jesus. And then the question comes up to Jesus. You know, Jesus, Jesus, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. You, you Jews say we should worship over there. And Jesus comes back and clarifies or gives her a greater understanding of God. And he says, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. You worship that which you do not know. We worship that which we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Not just anybody. You can't just give God anything. You've got to give him the truth. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what the Bible says. So this temple, the temple is no longer the old building, if you will, that is, that is stationed in Jerusalem. Now God is in you. 
Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 3. You see, there, there was a greater glory. There was a greater glory. You know, that old temple that, that was beautiful and magnificent and amazing in the eyes of the people. God said, when you compare that to the glory of the church, it's as if that glory has no glory at all. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We are a special, unique, separated, sanctified people. Are you living that way? When, when people see us, not arrogantly in any way, shape, or form, but when they see us, do they see Christ in you? Or do they just see you? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. But Lord, I have issues. God says, that's why I need you to stay in prayer. Keep on confessing. Keep on repenting. And keep on living for me. All the Old Testament is all telling us, is bringing us from that old temple. Zechariah, Haggai, bringing us from the old temple, the physical structure, to this spiritual edifice. But not a building. It's you. It's me. And he says in Hebrews, chapter 9, as he was describing uh, some of the uh, rules, if you will, and, and, and pr practices and procedures within the temple and all that the temple brought, the outside, the external, if you will. Jesus says, make sure you keep it spiritual. Right? Listen to what he says. Verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctified for the cleansing of the flesh. How much more with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Look at what the branch has done. Why was it so important to build that physical structure that they could see? It had its purpose. Under the law of Moses, in its time move from the tabernacle or the altar, if you will, that, that uh, was carried back before and carried into this temple that was built by Solomon and then rebuilt and rebuilt. But now there's one that God has ordained, that God has brought through the blood of Jesus Christ that never needs to be rebuilt. It's you. For even if you die, you live. And so maybe today you want to move from the physical to the spiritual. Perhaps you are not saved. 
and you want to be saved. You've, you've heard God's word and studies previously and in other places and you've, you've believed it. And, and your heart is pricked and you want to turn your life to God. And you're ready to confess his name before men. Come this morning to be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. And why do you delay? The book of Acts twenty-two sixteen says. And why do you delay? Right? Arise and be baptized. And wash away your sins. Calling on his name. That's how you call. That's your first formal prayer. That's how you call on God. This morning when you surrender. If there are those who are members of the body of Christ who would like prayers made in their behalf. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. I'm